Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life and football are very similar. Without an identity, you will not achieve your ultimate prize. Defense wants championships. Pride and passion meet success. You got to love what you do. Thank you for listening to the East West Football Podcast with Jerry Martinez, Kendall Whitley, and now here is your host, Fidel Barraza. Thank you for listening to a new edition of the East West Football Podcast. I am Fidel Barraza. Alongside with me, like always, Kendall Whitley, Jerry Martinez. Gentlemen, how are you? Great. Couldn't be better. Man, I'm just, it's, I think it was uh, 85 days, right? Until the start of the uh, NFL season, I believe. Yeah, we're getting, we're getting closer. I believe getting closer. I could be wrong. So. And we're about, what, a month away from uh, training camp. So getting closer to, to more storylines as we, uh, you know, move forward. Uh, in the next couple of weeks. Yes, and with that being said, we did have some uh, some breaking news early today. As far as retirement, Rob Gronkowski has decided to retire from the NFL for the second time. Uh, a lot of people were speculating he was going to be back with uh, with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, but he's decided to retire. I mean, when we look at this, it, it's one of those things, man. I I saw it. I saw it, I saw it earlier, and then I saw ESPN reported. Obviously, you always want to trust, you know the good sources, so to say. Uh, but then we see Drew Rosenhaus kind of teasing that he's not ready. So, I mean, man, this offseason was kind of a, a crazy offseason with players, I mean, literally switching teams, um, you know, going uh, against the contract that they agreed to. Uh, most notably, Randy Gregory, you know, when he had already agreed with the Cowboys and then he flipped the he flipped the script and, and went with the Broncos. So, you know, when we... When, with all that set set aside, um, I, you know, I, I think it's it's never one of those things that's a for sure thing, especially with the relationship that Tom Brady has with with Rob. But man, Rob, I would have to say Rob has been one of the best tight ends that we've we've had the pleasure of watching over the years. So uh, uh, we'll see, man. We'll see. Maybe maybe if he sees that the Bucks are doing good, maybe. He, uh, maybe in the middle of the season, maybe he wants to jump back in into the mix. So we'll see. A lot, a lot, a lot is is still on the table for her, for Rob. Yeah, I mean the the big question is the big question is is he really done or will he come back mid training camp after a few weeks during the season, maybe for a playoff run? We don't know, but something tells me uh, he's not done yet. Especially if Tom Brady has something to say about, it. he's probably not done yet. Um, we just had to wait and see. I know his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, came out and teased her. Maybe he might not be done or whatnot. So 
it's going to be very interesting to see. I think Gronk's one of those guys. He reminds me of Brett Favre a little bit. You just don't never know what he's going to do. So we just have to um, wait. It's, it's take a wait and see approach on it. And I got a feeling we're about midseason. Um, Tampa with their tight ends right now is what Cameron Bray. I don't know who's behind Bray. I know they lost OJ Howard to Buffalo, so they didn't really they didn't feel the need during the draft. They did. They broke in Russell Gay. They lost AB. Um, Godwin's coming off the injury. They still have Mike Evans. So um, I, I believe they still have Brashard Perriman as well. So um, that Tampa offense is lack. They're not as strong offensively. I, I feel as last year. And they did. They lost Ronald Jones as well. So um, and then also with the offensive line is kind of it's in. I wouldn't say shambles, but it's kind of reshuffled a bit because they lost they lost a guard there. So we'll, uh, we'll see what happens there, but I think Gronk's coming back. We ain't seen the last of Gronk yet. I think he's retired. I think he's not going to come back. I think uh, all the physical play has gone to his body, and that's probably one of the reasons why he's deciding to retire at this point. I mean, it is kind of late, I guess. You know, everyone was assuming he was going to be back. I mean, people were dropping hints left and right, including Tom Brady. He was thinking that that um, that Rob was going to be back. So, uh, hey, look, Robert Gronkowski is arguably the best uh, NFL tight end of all time, and he's got the numbers to back it up, and uh, the game is for sure going to miss him. All right, with that being said, uh, we did have some other breaking news as well earlier today. Deshaun Watson has reached confidential settlements with all but four civil lawsuits that were filed against him, according to attorney Tony Busby. Now, that leads to us, look, Deshaun's going to get suspended. Question is, for how long? A lot of people are saying it'll be a year. More than like, I think it's going to be the whole season with, you know, everything that was going on. Now, with that being said, you still have Baker Mayfield there in Cleveland and uh, you do have Jacoby Brissett. But I mean, there's been speculations that the Browns are willing to pay half of Baker's salary for him to be traded. So my question to you guys is who's going to be the starting quarterback for the Browns week one? Man, I think we'd have to go with Jacoby Brissett. I think that, uh, I mean, I mean, they did bring in. Well, uh, they brought in, what, two quarterbacks, I think, in the offseason, the Browns. Uh, and Jacoby Brissett, I think, from all of them, has, you know, actual NFL starting starting experience, right? And the thing is that well, it, didn't, it, it didn't look like it worked out when he was with the Dolphins, and it didn't look like it worked out when he was with the Colts. And uh, I saw a report recently that, they're, that the Browns were willing to uh, pay – baker's salary to be able to move him so uh whatever the case is baker's not playing so he is not going to he's not going to be the quarterback for the for the cleveland browns regardless of what happens with deshaun watson i think that that bridge is burnt uh without without repairs interesting man because they brought in deshaun watson this year for it for the Browns to make a playoff run and for to make a difference there in Cleveland. So this might be a lost season in year one. Might be with everything that's still going on. Those things are I mean that happened to him in Houston, they're still there. So he's not back to normalcy yet. Um normalcy yet. So we're just gonna have to see on that. Um I really so I mean maybe the, the elephant in the room, Baker Mayfield, maybe he might hang around for the most of the year or something like that. I know it's gonna be awkward. You know, we got training count coming in about about less a little less than a month. I don't think the Browns want that hovering over them like a cloud. I, don't want, I think they want to be done with this situation and let's roll with Jacoby Brissett. And, I mean, he's a proven starter and whatnot. Came in from, um, with the Patriots, played some with the Colts and the Dolphins and whatnot. I think he's a he's a pretty good backup. And Cleveland got some weapons there with Amari Cooper. Uh, they re-signed David and, Go, they gave David and Joku a better con, a new contract. Um, they drafted um, Bell out of Purdue. So, I, know, I mean, they still, they still got um, Donald P- Peoples-Jones. 
They got they got some players there, and you know what they got? They good up that physical big offensive line with Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt there. So I do think that Cle um, Cleveland they're in position to be okay without Watson, but they're definitely better with Deshaun Watson. I mean, nobody's scared of Jacoby Brissett. Nobody's really scared of Baker Mayfield. That's why they're trying to get rid of him. So I mean, we, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's unfortunate the whole situation, right? Um, Cleveland spent a lot of money to get Deshaun Watson there. Um, and they brought in Jacoby Brissett, but obviously not to be the starter, but to be the backup. They've been trying to get rid of Baker Mayfield. There hasn't been an offer that's or a team that I guess that's willing to take, you know, him on just because maybe a character issues, personality wise. I mean, I just can't see Baker Mayfield being a backup, but I'm gonna play devil's advocate. So let's just say Deshaun Watson gets suspended for the whole year. You're Baker Mayfield. Why not play the whole year and take this team to the playoffs and maybe deep into the playoffs and rise your stock for a new team next season? I mean, like you said, I mean, he is coming off of an injury, so it is a good debate. Um, I just think that Baker Baker wears his his, his emotions, you know, he wears his heart on his sleeve. It does it does, this is not a good situation. I think the Browns kind of muffed the the situation early in the process, I think. Um Man, the only thing that's unfortunate is, I mean, I, you know, when it comes to these kind of legal issues, you, we really, I, I personally, I don't like talking about somebody, another man's legal issues, but I just think that the NFL kind of like muffed this situation too, because if we go back and, and last year, literally, he suited up for all, I mean, well, he was, he was, he, he basically was, I believe Texans, he was a healthy scratch every week for the Texans. Yeah. So it's unfortunate that, you know, pretty much he was already suspended by the Texans last season. So this is going to have to go through another, you know, lengthy process. So, I mean, this is the only thing that the NFL needs to fix ASAP. And that's addressing, you know, any kind of concerns that are not concerns, but anytime there's a legal issue, you know, the, the NFL needs to do a better job of doing their due diligence because for a New York Times, um, uh, you know, and I, I believe it was a young woman from New York Times who was able to put out more details and more stories and more explanations into these stories than anybody in the NFL. And you're talking about a billion, a, a multi-billionaire, I mean, not billionaire, but a multi-billion dollar company. You mean to tell me that somebody from the New York Times was able to get more information than the NFL? So that person is more powerful with the information. So this should have been handled a lot faster, a lot more swift, because the Browns gave up a lot of money and they gave up a lot of capital, draft capital. And it's unfortunate because, you know, you know, you know, when when you want when you want, you know, the the, the legal situation, right? You always want it to be. You know, un you know, you're, you're innocent to proven guilty, right? That's that's number one. And uh, number two is okay, like you know, gather your information, make a decision, and then go ahead from there. You know, take action. I mean, you can't prolong somebody's career. I mean, we're every year. Not only me, not only you, not only Kendall, but all these football players are getting older as the, every year passes. So I just think that me personally. I'm kind of upset how the NFL handled this. I'm not taking sides. I'm just saying NFL, you know, has done a great job as far as taking lead and taking charge, especially during the whole COVID. Hey, man, they did a great job with COVID. 
you know, testing every player, doing all that stuff. But why, when it comes to something like this, the NFL sits on it and literally just sits on it? I mean, look, Deshaun Watson kind of put himself in this situation. So, I mean, yeah, very, very well said. But that's why I said I'm not taking sides. I'm just saying we could have had this thing resolved a lot faster. Um, well, on, on the Baker Mayfield front, back to football, whatnot. What if, if he does end up with the Panthers? How much better do y'all feel he, he makes them? Are they a well, playoff team? Or they, I mean, are they better than last year? Well, here, well, here's the thing. So, th- this was the other scenario that I was thinking of. So, let's just say Deshaun Watson does get suspended for the whole season. Uh, look, we, we know that they, I believe they tried to trade Sam Darnold, they, they were thinking about cutting Sam Darnold. So, why not flip quarterbacks if it's doable, if it's reasonable, as far as salary goes, you're gonna have um, Sam Darnold. Be the starting quarterback for the Browns next season coming up. Man, that's a tough situation because didn't they already pay Sam Darnold too? Their his fifth year option. I, I'm not honestly. I don't know what the numbers would be. I'm just kind of throwing it out there because I, I to me that would be that would it would make sense just because they want to uh, they want to groom Corral. So Baker Mayfield goes on going uh, goes in as a starter, and whatever happens in the uh, NFC South happens, and you know. I could potentially see the Panthers being better with Baker Mayfield instead of Sam Darnold. Yeah, and he's and he's going to be back from from injury and a, and a good offseason of of you know rehabilitation too. So I think I think you would have to be I think you'd have to be right because honestly, when we saw Baker when we saw Baker before last season, obviously last season playing hurt, he didn't look he didn't look like the previous Baker. But you give Baker a good a good running game and some weapons. And he can make things happen, man. And I think like the Panthers are already kind of in that mold. I can't say they have the best offense in the in you know one of the top offenses and uh, offensive lines in the NFL, but they do have Christian McCaffrey. Uh, the only thing with McCaffrey is can he stay healthy? And that's the other question too for the Panthers this offseason. I mean, going into is Christian McCaffrey going to be able to sustain his body to go through the punishment for for a full NFL season? You know, I'll tell you this, th- this is a story for another another day, but I think that this is this is the last time that we are going to see uh any running back make more uh you know, make these type of contracts that Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, and Ezekiel Elliott were able to were able to cash in. I, I just don't see uh NFL. I, I just don't see that the NFL is you know, the coach the coaches in the NFL are seeing the success that like Cal Shanahan is able to have uh, with, you know, literally like fifth round or undrafted free agents and, and look at it. He's not paying them anything. So more money into, you know, impact players, whether it be your offensive line, defensive line. So there's, a, there's, there's still a lot, there's still a lot to prove with these uh, with this season and next season with, with those names that I just mentioned. Yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense if they were to make the move. If the money makes sense, just I mean, I think I would rather play Sam Darnold than Jacoby Brissett. Let me let me ask you this: So you said you would rather play Darnold than who? Than Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett. Hmm. Interesting. Now keep in mind, Sam is going to have probably more weapons than what he's ever had. So you're saying Baker Mayfield to the Panthers, but in return, give me. Give me give Sam me, Darnold. Give me Sam Darnold. Give it Darnold. with the money. I like that. 
Uh, yeah, you know what? I have not I have not even seen that even reported. So that's actually a good it's actually a good it's it's actually good. I mean they both came from the same draft class. I think uh, you know, I think Darnell was right after Baker Mayfield in the draft, right? Yeah. So so I think I think that Sam Darnold can hold down a team for uh you know at least half a season for sure. I think he can too. And again, uh, Sam Sam Darnold does not have the talent than what the Browns have around Baker Mayfield right now. Correct. And and if you look at what you know, we talked to Coach Hugh Jackson in the past. He said, you know, hey, this coach has done a good job. Why? Because he kept the ball out of Baker's hands and he gave it to the running backs. And look at these running backs: Kareem Hunt and um, Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb, right? I mean, they've been able to put up some good seasons. I think that you know what this is. This is a good story, man. I mean, I don't. I have not even heard anybody even attempt to. You know, even I haven't even seen a story mentioned uh, about you know a Baker and Sam Darnold swap, but that would be kind of crazy. I think that that could work out, and that could actually help out the Browns and help out the Panthers in the process. Like you said, Matt Corral kind of. Kind of helps, you know, groom Matt Corral, but give yep. you still that edge you need to to maybe perhaps make a make a a run to. Uh, I don't want to say it, it's hard because you have Tom Brady coming back. You have a Saints defense that's super tough. Yeah, uh, and and then with all the offensive weapons that they have coming back, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, hopefully right, because uh, we haven't seen Michael Thomas play in what two two seasons now. And it's supposedly he's not progressing the way that he thought he was from a report uh, I read earlier last week. Not to say he's not going to play this season coming up. He still he, he probably will, but they got to kind of ease him in. They can't just throw him in there. And yeah. I think Chris Olave is going to definitely help out with that. And Jarvis Landry. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Chris Olave was a fun prospect to watch uh, last yeah. last year and the year before that. So I think that that this fresh blood that they're bringing in, I think it's going to be good. But I still don't see even even if they get Baker. I still, man, if we had to rank the South, let's say it's, hard. it's a hard it, division. I mean, look, it, Atlanta's going through a rebuild, so they would be the last in my. They opinion. they would be last in my opinion too. So, but I I, I would still, man, it, it's kind of hard, man. I, literally, I would have to flip a coin. I mean, with like you said, Rob Gukowski came up with some clutch plays last offseason. Clutch plays that that the Buccaneers needed, you know, to for for wins. Uh, the Saints, we really didn't see the best because, I mean, we they lost Jameis uh, early yeah, with, with early. the uh, injury. Now Jameis is back. If he can stay healthy, get Alvin Kamara going, give Chris Olave Chris the ball on that Saints defense, Saints look good, man. Tampa, Tampa, Tampa is, I mean, we can't count them out. They got Tom Brady. Still the GOAT. I like what Tampa did this offseason as well. So I still I still picked them to win the division, even though they've had a really hard time playing the Saints. Yeah. Uh, with Tom Brady as a quarterback. But I, I do expect the Bucks to win those divisions. Yeah, I think they're less I mean last season, right? They the Saints got them got their number twice, right? Yeah. Man, wow. I, I just I had not heard Sam Darnold for Baker. That's a, it, that's a and one. again, I don't know if the numbers make sense, the salary cap, because I really yeah. haven't looked into it. It was just a thought that popped in my head. Both teams essentially get what they want. Um, Carolina doesn't want Sam Darnold anymore. Yeah, they don't. Mayfield doesn't want to be with Cleveland anymore. He's got one year left on his contract. You let him play in that contract and yeah. let him go into the free agency. And yeah. hopefully it goes up. Yeah, and like you said, D- Darnold is not a diva at all. You know what I mean? Darnold, like you said, 
he's always had that blue collar mentality, man. So who knows, man? I mean, it could it probably work out for both teams. You never know, man. And man, that's something that that I think that we need to write an article about soon. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and I mean, we're playing, we're playing Madden, but we're playing Madden the right yeah. way, right? And and here's the other thing too. I mean, Sam Darnold's not going to get a starting job in the NFL anywhere else. True, unless a quarterback is hurt or a quarterback is suspended, which in Cleveland, more than likely, Deshaun Watson's going to be suspended the whole season. Well, I don't know if if Baker doesn't go to Panthers at all, he's he's going to be the starter for the Panthers. Coming up next, we'll talk Patriots with Alex Barth. Stick around. Alex, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? Great, man. Hey, so just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, uh, so I cover all four Boston sports teams, mainly the Patriots. I've been doing so since 2016. I also used to be a, a play-by-play announcer locally in Boston, working with a number of the local colleges. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much my uh, my professional background. So, so Alex, one of the most interesting teams going into the 2022 season is the New England Patriots with the departures of Josh McDaniels, uh, a person that was there for a long time calling plays for Bill Belichick and that offense. And now it's kind of like the Patriots really haven't came out and said who's going to be calling the offensive plays. So if you can just give us a little bit of insight – and on what you think is going to happen and who's going to be calling the plays. Yeah, I wouldn't hold your breath for an official announcement. This is what they've done on the defensive side of the ball for the last couple of years now. There's no defined defensive coordinator. And based on what's been put out there, there may not be, you know, that, that role changes kind of week to week between Steve Belichick, who's, who's Bill's son and is a, a linebackers coach, Gerard Mayo, another linebackers coach, former player, and then Bill himself. It sounds like right now the candidates on offense are Matt Patricia, former head coach of the Lions, who was the defensive coordinator his last stop here, but has experience coaching on the offensive side of the ball as an offensive line coach. And Joe Judge, who started off uh, as a special teams coach, was the special teams coordinator here, and then went on to be the head coach with the New York Giants up until last year. He was there for a few years. So, And then there's some rumors that, again, Bill himself is going to be a part of it. Nick Cayley, the longtime tight ends coach, is also somebody expected to be in the mix. I doubt we'll hear any formal, this is who's calling the plays, this is who's doing this. They've more or less told us that Joe Judge is the quarterback's coach. Matt Patricia is the offensive line coach for, you know, whatever that's worth. Some people think quarterback's coach at this day and age is your de facto offensive coordinator, but Patricia at times throughout the spring practices had been more hands-on. So it's a long way of saying we really don't know what's going on. That We kind of know the players. We kind of know the pieces that are in place, but it's hard to figure out the definitive structure of what it's going to look like. That's not to say they don't know inside the building. I'm sure they do. But that information just hasn't been made public. How do you think the progression of Mac Jones is going to be affected now that Josh McDaniels isn't there anymore? Yeah, that to me is the biggest worry in all of this. I'm honestly not too worried about who's going to be calling the plays because – this offense has been what it's been for the last 20 years. I don't think there's going to be any major shift once they didn't bring in somebody from the outside, right? Once Bill O'Brien wasn't a part of the picture anymore, guys like that. I think the, the differences between Joe judge and Matt Patricia, there are some, but they're minor. The bigger concern for me, Josh McDaniels last year was also the quarterback's coach. And obviously he did a lot in working with Mac Jones. Right. And they also had a, a, a backup quarterback's coach, uh, Nick Hardegree, 
who kind of when McDaniels was doing offense coordinator stuff, Mac still had somebody with him the whole time. Even if Joe judges that de facto quarterbacks coach. Now he has other responsibilities. He said he's coaching all of the skill positions and we've seen him do some of that. And if he's going to be the offense coordinator too, is there somebody dedicated to working with Mac Jones? There, are, I said Nick Hardigree before. It's Bo Hardigree. There is no Bo Hardigree on this team now. That secondary quarterbacks coach. Now maybe that's Brian Hoyer, who was brought back as the backup quarterback, and the relationship between Hoyer and Jones is something that's been talked about by the two of them, by others around the team that has you know been a positive for Jones. So maybe he's the guy doing it. But that is the biggest red flag to this in all of me is that you have a second year quarterback, a guy you used a first round pick on a guy who it seems like took all the right steps last year. And now you're going to dink around with his development a little bit in terms of who's in his ear, both as his coach and his coordinator. That to me is the biggest concern in all of this. All right, Alex, thank you. Hey, what's going on, Alex? How you doing? Hey, how's it going? Hey, pretty good, man. I watch you and Evan about every week. You and Evan Lazar, y'all do a great job um, giving us Appreciate the best. Give me, give me, I'm a big time Patriots fan, the best Patriots news and insight on what's going on behind closed doors there. You've been doing a great job for a good while. I've been watching y'all for years, and they do a great job with that. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, sir. Um, I want to ask you about the Patriots draft and um, the guy, Jack Jones. We, uh, we we drafted him out of USC. He was at Arizona State as well. Are you are you on the hype train with him? Because there's been a lot of talk about him. This offseason has been having a pretty good mini camp. So I, I actually, the spring went a long way for me in that. I was kind of, I didn't love the pick. I didn't hate the pick. You know, I when, when they first made the pick, I thought, yeah, he's a good corner. I thought there were maybe better corners on the board at the time. But kind of seeing him in the spring, something you don't see on tape with him, or at least it doesn't stand out as much on tape as it does in person the fluidity of his motions, how quickly he can change direction, how quickly he can turn his hips and, and run with the receiver down the field, all of that. That's textbook Patriots corner play. That's what they want. Uh, they, they want a guy who's, who's shifty. Both in, not in, people think of shifty in the slot. They want that on the outside as well. A guy who can really run with the receiver. And I think Jack Jones, at least in the spring, it's early. It's not a lot of, you know, there, there's not a lot of example out there. It's whatever it is, two, three full practices, but he looked like he could do that. So that's encouraging. I think it helps him that there's not a ton of depth ahead of him. I think besides Jalen Mills, the competition for that second boundary corner spot is wide open. It's basically him, Malcolm Butler, Terrence, uh, uh, Terrence Mitchell, who they signed as a free agent, who is kind of a journeyman, borderline special teams player. If you want to throw Juwan Williams in that conversation, you can too, but you know, he really hasn't done much in three years. And then Justin Bethel. So to me, that's a wide open field right now and if he can continue to build on what he did in the spring into the summer I think he has a real chance to win a starting role with this team and then we, we see where he goes from there but going back and looking at it maybe what I missed when I evaluated the pick initially and and this is probably something that should have been a little more obvious at the time a lot of those guys I was looking at Josh Joe Jalen Moore, Davis right were project players Jack Jones looks very NFL ready right now. He looks like a guy who can step in and play, and play day one. And I just ran through the boundary corner depth chart. They need a guy who can step in and play day one. And the initial, by, by the initial looks at it, he seems like a guy who's in line for, for that kind of role. Uh, do, what do you think we do in the kill Harry? I mean, is he, is he compete with Devontae Parker and Nelson Aguilar, Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne, or Trey Nixon for having a good camp? I mean, will, is Nikhil Harry on the Patriots roster week one? I, I don't think so. I think it would take a couple of injuries for that to happen. 
you know, they got their big body receiver in Parker. They're, he's not going to, they gave up a third round pick for him. He's not going to win snaps from, from Devontae Parker. And then even if they want a second big body guy, they just brought in little Jordan Humphrey, who I honestly really like. And I'm, I was a big fan of coming out of Texas and he struggled at times in new Orleans. He, he wasn't consistent, but he had flashes and that's more than you can say about Nikhil Harry to this point. So even if he has a masterful camp, right? Like last year, he was great in camp. Nikhil, we were all talking about this is it. He's finally figured it out, blah, 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 all of that. And then he got hurt and he missed time and he came back and he just never got in the swing of things. I, I, I just think it's too far gone at this point, pending something drastic for him to get a shot on the roster. Is this the year we finally get something from Anthony Jennings from Alabama? He's been hurt this past couple of years. So this year we finally get something from him, or do you think Josh Uche or Ronnie Perkins will take that spot from him? So I think there's going to be a rotation there. I think they're going to keep a lot of linebackers. There's some positions that they can be thinner this year. I think tight end, they might just keep two guys. I think with some of the practice squad elevation roles, they can be thinner uh, along the offensive line. I think they're going to, you know, add those linebackers, those edge guys and rotate there. I'm still a big Jennings guy. I love Jennings coming out of college. I, you know, some people put him in the bust category. He actually contributed a little bit as a rookie. People forget that. He was their second most used linebacker behind Juwan Bentley that year. And then last year he was hurt. What do you want him to do? He couldn't play. So I, I think he, you know, people talk about Jennings and Perkins and which of those guys. I think it's a rotation with them. And I think, or people talk about, sorry, Uche and Perkins, you know, and those two guys and which one between the two. And I think it's a rotation with them. But I think Jennings' value, the thing I look at with Jennings that's, that's always stood out to me, his last year at Alabama, and it's a great secondary at Alabama. He led the team in, in deflected passes. I think he had, I think it was 12 in 12 games, right? Just batting balls down at the line of scrimmage. Big guy, long arms, great instinct, smart football player. When you look at the Patriots last year, they struggled big time on RPOs. And a, a good way to defend those is get yourself a long defender on the outside who can kind of quickly jump into that passing lane. And that's something Jennings has a knack for. I'm not saying you're going to keep him on the roster just to do that, but I think there's still value to him on this team. Right now, I have him just off. I have him as my 55th player uh, on my roster projection out of 53, but it's very early. It's very early, and I think when the pads come on, he can maybe do more, and I think he still has a shot to make this team and, and have an impact. So, uh, this is Jerry, by the way. Alex, thank you uh, again uh, for coming on. But, uh, no problem. So, so uh, from all the Patriots draft picks this year, uh, which one was your favorite? That's a good question. Uh, which one? <laughs> I mean, so, because we, we, I mean, you guys made well, headlines with Cole Strange being your first draft right. pick, right? And then Twycon so, Thornton lit up the, the, the combine with the 4 240. So, and then Marcus Jones is, he's no pushover either at cornerback. That's a small corner that plays with a big chip on his shoulder. Uh, and he can do kickoff and punt return for you too. Yeah, so I think my favorite in terms of immediate impact is Pierre Strong. I mm. They need a pass-catching running back. I really liked what I saw from him. Uh, he he came on my radar late, small school guy, so I maybe wasn't as in-depth on him. Yeah, Leading out of the draft is some other players, but I, you know, the Patriots break their running backs up into two groups. They have the early down backs and the pass-catching backs. You have your Antoine Smiths and your LeGarrette Blunts and your Damian Harris's in the first group. In the second group, it's James White, it's Kevin Falk, it's Danny Woodhead, it's Shane Vereen. There's a handful of guys that can do both, right? Rex Burkhead comes to mind. I kind of look at, at Pierre Strong as maybe a faster Rex Burkhead. Oh, and I. So if he can come in year one right away, you know, we don't know what the deal is with James White coming off that hip injury. They missed that role last year. I think he could make a, a big impact. 
in in terms of overall, like like long term projection, my favorite pick was Marcus Jones, because like you said, I think he's a dynamic playmaker as a kick returner. I think he plays the slot corner position as a ball hawk, which is really hard to do and not something you see a ton of. They needed speed on defense. They added speed on defense. My favorite pick personally, just because I was high on this guy going back to October, was Bailey Zappi. Mm. I was telling people in October, I was texting people, you got to watch this kid. You've got to watch this kid. And I was looking forward to him going to, you know, some team with like a borderline quarterback and, and becoming the starter. You know, if you look at a team like, um, you know, if I'm trying to think of an example off the top of my head, like in Pittsburgh, before they had drafted Kenny Pickett, like I'm looking at Pittsburgh to draft another position, then take Bailey Zappi in the third or fourth <laughs> round. And then he competes right with, with, with Mitchell Trubisky or Atlanta was another team. I thought he made a ton of sense for to have him compete with Marcus Mariota. I don't think that's going to be the case in new England. Obviously the Patriots took a quarterback in the first round last year. And Mac Jones was very good, but I, I was just, I was happy to be ahead of the ball on that one. I'm a big Bailey Zappi guy. Uh, you know, you hope it's not New England because you want Mac Jones to pan out. But wherever he ends up, I think he's going to end up being a successful longtime quarterback in the NFL. I mean, for the most part, I mean, I think I think you you hit the nail on the uh, on on a lot of these, right? I think Bill Zappi, I think could could be, you know, uh, somebody that could probably help Mac Jones, you know, also because Bill Zappi looks yeah. like he's very, um, I mean, his attention to the actual game itself. Always, it's always good to have a quarterback that understands what another quarterback is going through and kind of give them that feedback on a real time play. So that, that's that's that could also be an asset to Mac Jones. Uh, overall, though, I mean, you know, for the most part, the Patriots have always done a really good job assessing their or you know making their team through the draft. You know, building it up. You know, bringing Bills, Bill Bill Belichick's type of guys, and you know, I guess the one one the one that that. <laughs> That uh, Kendall will always says that uh, Patriots don't, uh, they just don't know, they do not do a good job with wide receivers. But when we look back at these last three draft picks, I mean, three draft classes, wow, this Patriots team looks special. Um, what are your overall thoughts of how they've constructed this team in the last three years uh, post Tom Brady? I, I like it. They've actually, I, I wrote a column back in, in March, 2020 when Brady left on what I kind of would like to see them do. And they've sort of followed it hmm. going back to that. You know, I, I think the people talk about, you need an elite quarterback to win in the NFL. And I think you can win with an elite quarterback in the NFL, but I think making that your sole plan to roster building that that was the way it worked for a little bit. Teams would just reach on quarterbacks. They'd reach on the EJ Manuals and the Jake Lockers of, of the world, right? And mm. just hope to get that guy. And if not, we'll get another shot at it in four years. And I think with what you've seen in the last four or five years is teams are saying, well, if Trevor Lawrence isn't available to us, if Patrick Mahomes isn't available to us, if we're not 100% sure in any of these guys on the board, let's add at other premium positions. Let's add a left tackle. Let's add a corner. Let's add a wide receiver. And then you just have to get the term I use as a net neutral quarterback. You can't win with a bad quarterback. But if the if the quarterback's not bad, he doesn't have to be good. But if he's just not bad, if he's not going to turn the ball over, if he's not going to make mistakes, if you put enough talent around him, you can succeed. And the argument is it's easier to evaluate those other positions than it is the quarterback position. And you look at there, there's evidence of this working. I think the San Francisco 49ers, right, got to a Super Bowl. On that exact premise, you look at some of the skill position players they have, the defense they have, and then Jimmy Garoppolo is the definition of, of net neutral. 
He's not good. He's not bad. Well, he's bad in that he doesn't stay on the field. But when he's on the field, he's a net neutral. True. And they would have won that Super Bowl if not for bad coaching. If you look at the Tennessee Titans, and maybe their window's closing a little bit now, but they got to the AFC uh, they got to the AFC title game. They got that number one seed in the AFC in two years there. Ryan Tannehill, net neutral quarterback. But they had some really good receivers. They had a great offensive line. Obviously, Derrick Henry. They started building up that defense, and they were able to compete. The Ravens are a little different version of this because Lamar Jackson's not a net neutral, but I would argue he is as a passer, right? It's what he does with his legs that puts him over the top. And again, that one's, one's not perfect. I would even say prior to the 2020 season when he broke out, this is what the Buffalo Bills were doing, right? Before Josh Allen kind of hit that next level, it sort of looked like maybe how the Buffalo Bills were approaching things where they started just every addition was on defense and they were going to win games on defense and Josh Allen was going to do just enough. And then they got lucky and Josh Allen kind of went over the top and all of that. It almost feels like that's what the Patriots are doing. And it's the, the reward isn't as high. Right. Because if you have the quarterback, you have that, 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 that checkmate piece, but it's also a lot less risky because you're not going to have to pay the quarterback as much money. You just have that set. You don't need the resources to take a million swings at that position. And it gives you the freedom to add elsewhere on your roster. So it's, you know, it's about now capitalizing on the the rookie contract for Mac Jones, but I do like the direction they're going right now. Well said, well said. Uh, Well, with that, with, with, one more, and, and I guess that that's it for us. Uh, I guess give us a prediction. I mean, you guys had a, a, a very surprising season last 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 season. Uh, what's your predictions this season for the Patriots? I mean, I got another I got another ten minutes here. If you guys want to do a little more, if that's if that's all you got, that works. Um, my prediction for the <laughs> Patriots is it's going to be similar to last year. I I don't know that they added enough to make that jump. Right, I still think they're probably a ten. 10-win team, 9-10-win team, wild-card team, maybe get a playoff win. It, it comes down to how much growth Mac Jones really makes, right? And if, if if he makes a tremendous leap, then, yeah, I think they're contenders to win the division. And I don't know that they're on the level of Cincinnati or Kansas City, but they're probably right there in that second tier. If Mac Jones' development is, is a little more plateaued, then they're probably closer to what they were last year. Mm. Wow. I, I mean, it, it's always interesting to hear, right? Because like you said – a lot does ride on the on the quarterback's you know shoulders, and in this case, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, for Joe Burrow to go from you know literally tearing up his old ACL one season, then the next season come around and take and lead his team to the Super Bowl, I think that that I think now he set the new be, uh you know bench for all all quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, so I, I I guess I was gonna ask you I guess just to kind of piggyback off of that with that with this draft class and everything you guys have been able to do in the offseason and everybody you guys are getting back healthy, is this team better than than last season's team? Uh, in terms I, of they have the yeah, I'm gonna kind of cop out here. They have the <laughs> they have the sorry, they have the potential to be. There's just so many young guys that you're you're counting on, whether it's Cole Strange at left guard pretty much the entire linebacking core besides Juwan Bentley's overhaul. We talked about what Jack Jones may need to do at the cornerback position. And then Mac Jones as well. If, if those young guys pan out, they're going to be at least as good as they were last year, if not better. If those guys have growing pains, then they're going to take a step back because the guys, those players are replacing aren't bad players. I know Patriots fans are down on Dante Hightower. He wasn't a bad player last year. Kyle Vinoy was really good last year. Jack Mason was good last year, right? Yeah. So 
it's it's not that you know those players are gone. It's not that they've replaced them with worse players. They've just replaced them with unknowns. That's why it's also tricky. You know, if they just brought in veterans to fill those roles, it'd be very easy to say, yeah, they got worse players. They're worse. It's not really the the situation right now. There's just a lot of question marks up and down the roster. Wow. Well said, Alex. Thank you for your time with me, man. Yeah, no problem. Hey, Alex, one last question before we let you go. Sure. How much longer do you think Bill Belichick's going to be coaching the Patriots? Mm. Well, it's that Shula number, right? And what is he now? I think he's 30-something games behind Don Shula. I know we should have it up on a big whiteboard and be counting it down. Um, I still think he's going to get – he still wants to get that number with Mac Jones looking like a, like a you know legitimate starting NFL quarterback. I think that's in reach within like four or five years. So I think he's going to give that a shot. The interesting one to me – I think the next real crossroads where it makes sense for him to to consider retirement, unless he just wants to hang him up. But like if he's looking to do it where he wants to leave in a certain spot, when Mac Jones' rookie deal is up, you know, if if Mac Jones gets extended, then he gave the franchise their next long-term quarterback, and Mac Jones has an extension, he's good, and Bill can move on there knowing it's in good hands. If Mac Jones, if they deem Mac Jones not worth even extension then is it, well, he still wants to stay and get them the next guy, or is it he tried to get the next guy, didn't work out, and he doesn't want to do another four years of developing a new quarterback. So I think at least three more seasons, including this one upcoming. I, I think he does at least, assuming health and all of that, I think he does at least that, and he sees it out through Mac Jones' rookie deal. Realistically, he should have a shot to, to at least get within a season's distance of Shula within that window, and then I think that's the next the next spot where you reassess. Wow. And it's kind of crazy to think that we're having this kind of kind of conversation at this point, right? I mean, I mean, Bill's Bill's a legend, man. I think there's other there's other coaches not maybe in the same sport like Greg Popovich, who people are, are constantly asking, right? I mean, these guys have uh, given us some great sports memories along the way and have done some great things for the for the for their sport, you know, their their respective sports. So, man, that's crazy. But thank you for that kind of insight. Wow. All right, Alex, we just want to say thank you for your time. We appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, for our listeners, where can we follow you on social media? Yep, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at RealAlexBarth, and then you can uh, check out my work online, 98.5thesportsub.com. All right, Alex, uh, we, look to, we look forward to talking to you throughout the season, uh, this upcoming one, and I uh, just want to say thank you. Certainly, guys, anytime. And that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the East-West Football Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great weekend. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production. Electric Cast. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a beautiful different type of show. I'm Sarah B, and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. 
my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA.